Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And I'm Brianna Jones. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, the podcast where I try to get Andrew and Bree to like musical theater. My God, you guys. You know what month what? it is? Um, well, it's uh, April? It's June, which means it's Pride <laughs> Month. He said April? <laughs> Yeah, we Lousy don't totally March film. weather. <laughs> <laughs> we do not totally record our episodes much further in advance. Um, yes, this is our first episode in Pride Month. Um, it's not completely related uh, because the schedules are badly planned. Um, so here's a bad joke. <laughs> but it is a part of Pride Month because it's about a lion pride. Happy Pride Month! Yeah, and, that's... Know, you know, like Simba was raised by two dads. Three dads if you count Mufasa. It's a real full house you know situation. What? The Timon and Pumbaa situation, I can't deny. There's something prideful going on there. So happy Pride Month, guys. This week, we're talking about The Lion King on Broadway. Give the music break. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. It means no worries for the rest of your day. It's our problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. So this is actually a Patreon request um, by a new um, high-tier patron called Mitchell DeYoung. So thank you, Mitchell, for the donation and the request. Um, they just wanted anything yes. f- from this Tony season, and I picked Lion King because I thought it would get the most downloads. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, are you correct on that one. <laughs> um, but The Lion King is a musical with music by Elton John, Leigh Boehm, Mark Mancina, Jay Rifkin, Hans Zimmer, Julie Taymor, and Robert Elhai, and lyrics by Tim Rice. <laughs> um, based on a book by Roger Ellers and Irene Mechi. Um, it is based on The Lion King um, by Walt Disney Animation Studios. The musical debuted July 8th, 1997 at the Minneapolis, Minnesota Soda at the Orpheum Theater and was successful before premiering on Broadway at the New Amsterdam Theater on October 15th, 1997 in previews with the official opening on November 13th, 1997. Now, I'm going to stop here because I... Uh, fuck it, I'll put it wait until later. It is literally the most profitable thing that Disney has ever made. It is... Like, beyond Avengers Endgame, Avatar, all that. It is the most profitable thing, like, ever made. How much money did it make? $8.1 billion as of 2017. That's Ooh, billion so that's with a B. That's not even counting. Not even counting the last couple of uh, seasons. Yeah, so it's been a big thing. But The Lion King is about a, a young boy named Simba who is destined to be king and has a evil uncle named Scar who murders his father. Then he goes out on his own and is raised by two two men who love each other very much and raise him to be a really good good young man. 
And then he has to return home and be the king he was meant to be um, after learning a bunch of lessons. So we all know what Lion King is about. Um, but a lot of us don't quite understand the Broadway show. Um, and Andrew, you just watched it recently. Have you ever seen the live version? Uh, no, I haven't. All so. right. So well, now I, I have. I usually have a rule on this show that if we are going to talk about a Disney stage musical, we're going to basically use it for meme factor. Um, like Tangled, the Disney show, or like Frozen, um, the Disneyland version. This one's got a bit more prestige, I feel like. This is, I call it Baby's First Theater, um, because this is proper theater and theatrical tactics used. Um, and it just happens to be used for a Disney movie. Um, yeah, I will say it's very accurate to the movie, as far as I remember. <laughs> We're going to have a conversation about that, but let's talk about the movie for a bit. What did you think about the original 94 movie? I thought it was really good. I mean, I, it came out the year before I was born, so I grew up with it the whole time. You know, I was a little babby. I was watching it, you know, being indoctrinated into to monarchism from, from the start, you know, but... Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's what well most made. Feel like it's like it's well made. Elton John's got some good music, <laughs> and whoever else was in it, I don't know. <laughs> James Earl Jones, yeah, he knocked it out the park. Um, Brie, it looks like you a think lot of people it? wrote music for this. So. <laughs> I literally thought you were about to say James Gordon. I was like, no, but um, oh, he's gonna oh, yes, be Simba. You have to remember who I am. <laughs> he's played a cat, but not that cat. <laughs> Bustopher Jones is his name. Don't put respect oh, on true. that name. What respect. Did think, what did I think about The Lion King? Is that what yeah, you're asking me? The movie. Oh my god. It's iconic. The music is fantastic. Um I so I grew up really poor. Um and I I saw The Lion King, but I had The Lion King one and a half on <laughs> The real on masterpiece. The true <laughs> masterpiece. <laughs> on tape. So I watched it all the time because I couldn't fall asleep without watching TV when I was a kid. Um, so I've seen The Lion King one and a half more than I've seen The Lion, the, the original. But it's fantastic. You made the right choice, honestly. <laughs> it um, is pretty good. <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a be edgy um, contrarian. I don't it like The Lion bad. King. I don't it like it. It was bad. I always thought it was bad. I watched it when I was six years old and I walked out of the theater. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought to myself, I wish there was a girl in a rainbow sweatshirt who was there that I could have held hands with and not watch this movie. You know what, guys? I like it better when we have guests. Okay, Jess, why don't you like The Lion King? I, honestly, I just think the structure is a little wonky, and I don't particularly find the characters engaging, because Simba is one character for the first half, and then he ages into another character. It's like, there's such a discrepancy between them, it just kind of doesn't engage me the way that something like even Hunchback does, or Aladdin, or Mulan. Like, I feel like all those things has a better clue of what it's trying to do. Where this one, I think, has some really big themes it wants to play with, but I don't think it successfully does it. However, I think the songs and all that are all stellar, knockout, 100% great. The animation, hard to top there. Um, I just don't think that the character arcs work the way that they want them to as well as they want them to. And I feel like this is where it falls and up away from all the rest of the Disney films of that time. I think it is one of the weaker ones of the Renaissance, to be honest. That isn't yeah, saying I mean, it's I, bad, but I don't like I it don't as know. much. I think it's fine. I I don't know. I think Lion King, it's got some weird elements to it that I'm not a fan of. And, you know, like the whole monarchism is good thing. Kind of not, not cool. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I also think its use of violence isn't for the... It isn't effective. Like, it gives you a big shock when Mufasa dies. But then the film mm -hmm. never reaches tones like that again. And people always talk about the tonal issues with Hunchback, but you start with the violence and the viol that kind of tone fits with it to the end. Whereas this, you got that one bit of like violence and then corpse dad. And then it's like Hakuna Matata for the rest of the fucking movie. What's up with Scar? You know, like Scar, he he does the bad thing and then he's the leader and he makes everything fail. But like, Scar, did he cause a drought? Did Scar create a drought somehow? Like, I did mean, he that's manifest? the literalism. I really don't want to play with the literalism of. <laughs> oh, come on. Like, what did he do wrong, though? 
It's just a cinematic technique. It's like in Emperor's New Groove when the panthers start chasing him. Does the woods literally turn red? Ding! No, 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 no. The drought directly affects the plot, though. The drought directly it causes the lionesses to go out and find Simba. I think what he does, or at least this would be the justification of the directors, and here I am defending a film I don't even fucking like that much. Um, <laughs> the justification would be that they overhunted, which meant the ecosystem left, which meant that a lot of the shit that was naturally occurring wasn't anymore, and therefore yeah. a drought. I think that would be their defense. That yeah. they took more than they needed, and therefore lost what they had. <clears throat> yeah. Broke the circle which- of life. They broke the circle of life because hyenas needed to be put into their place and starve. Um, and if we allowed them to eat, there would be a drought. I'm- <laughs> We'd all die. <laughs> that's I'm not, that's I'm not there's ju- the ethical issues right there. I agree. Those ethical <laughs> issues are there, but it. I see their logic. And I don't like it either, but I have to kind of see it as Shakespeare text, like for the musical, the stage musical. We're looking at the film as a pretext that this is now adapted as. And as a text being adapted, I think this is an amazing, amazing stage show. An absolutely incredible stage show. Everything they needed from the movie, everything they needed from Kimba the White Lion, and they just stuck it into Okay, motherfucker, you you know that's not even true. Why am I on the defensive Lion King? I don't like it! I'm gonna put you on the defense the whole time. Fuck the Lion King. It was garbage. I always hated it. You know, a little baby. What is this episode? <laughs> Why is this lightning thief again? Alright, no. Okay, so let's like let's just talk about the Broadway. No one cares about the movie. Everyone wanna... likes the movie except Jess, so. Oh. <laughs> Because Jess probably watched it, like, last week, whereas when was the last time you saw Lion King, Andrew? It's like two years ago, maybe. Oh. Well. Not long ago. Then that, my point my point is not valid. I was going to say he saw it as an adult, so he has... I saw mind. it as a child, and I will say I liked it as a child because you like everything oh, as yeah. a child. And I, I haven't watched it since I was a child. Yeah. You I don't, don't like everything as a child. That's not true. That's not true. I watched this one movie where, like, a kid got eaten by a horse that had spiders in its stomach, and I straight up had nightmares for, like, weeks, and I did not <laughs> like it. Maybe you should be watching that shit! You ever I thought about what... that? <laughs> Spider-Man 2 scared the hell out of me. Spider-Man 2 is a masterpiece. It I just scared I, the hell out of me. <laughs> I watched the whole trilogy, you know, I watched two and three, and that was it. I did not I did not watch the first one. Uh but they were they are masterpieces. They are classic. They're pretty good. Why aren't we why are we talking about the Lion King? Why well, can't we talk about Spider-Man 3? <laughs> hold up, hold up. <laughs> it is tangentially connected to Spider-Man. Um so let's talk about the director this Go show. on. Who also designed all the costumes, like, and created all the masks and all that. She was the design creator. Um, she takes this Disney property, turns it into fucking gold, spins it into $8 billion. And mm-hmm, this is one of those mm-hmm. rare times where it is a director dramaturge stepping in there and having this intense impact that's all hers. And mm-hmm. then about 10 years later, um, she is brought onto a little musical called Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. And mm-hmm, given the same mm-hmm. carte blanche, and then she turns um, Arachne, the the character of Arachne, into a spider creature that um, has a shoe shopping number that with spider tap dancing. Um, it's bad. You know it's bad. How is how that wasn't even in the show? That would have that would have saved it. Well, that was her <laughs> version, and then they fired her because she's pretty much an insane person um, in a good way. But okay. and then they replaced her with like generic, oh, Universal Spider-Man. He's going to save the day. Look at him swing around. Okay. The Broadway Lion King is the movie with really cool costumes and puppets. The thing is, we're going to talk about that, but that is accurate. But let's think about not exactly what this does yet, apart from what it doesn't do. Let's compare this to, say, Frozen on Broadway, mm-hmm. where they have to restructure it, add about an hour of length onto the movie, mm-hmm. change everything so that it is literal representation instead of just 
a reindeer being in a movie, they have to make a literal reindeer on stage. They have to make these characters as literal interpretations as they can be on stage. Mm-hmm. And it's bad. It doesn't work at all. Yeah. Because literalism in theater is like, you're missing the fucking point. Yeah. And whereas with this, she was very much like, you know what? You'll get it if you've if you've seen the movie, if we just put a mask on their heads you get the representation both as king he is wearing a crown on his head that represents him as lying as well as king um if we put that same mask on his son you get that he is his son and there is no confusion there instead of having them on four legs we just have them move in a certain way and there was ways where they were gonna make it more literal they were gonna make masks that move their mouth and all that and blink and they were like no it stops you from looking at the humans And one of the most important things Julie Taymor said about this is this is a human story about human characters. We'd never want to hide the human. So no matter what, whether they're playing the grass, whether they're going to play the antelope, whether they're going to play like the sky, even you must always see the human being performing. And they use all these African traits. And yeah, it's cultural appropriation. Not even going to not even going to pretend it isn't. But she steals it's from like Disney. All, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> but she steals from like all these wonderful, like gorgeous looking things to make these traditional African thing or uh, African designs and African pieces to create these costumes. And everyone is, in every production is real. It is really imported from Africa and hand painted and all that. And their shoes, their feet have to be painted to match their skin tone. So no matter what, even if they get a suntan and all that, they have to be repainted to match that. It is not literal in any way. You will never see like them crawling around like cats. I think it works really well, though. It works really well, though. And if it was big costumes, it would feel like a, a, a show you'd watch at like a theme park. Exactly. Which I guess they ran the risk of doing that. (laughs) But think about this. When I think about this musical, do you like, do you even think of like added scenes even? Like, do you think about like, oh, there's an entire new plot line here or, oh, here's like shit we didn't need. There's like three new scenes at most and they're very short when they're there. Yeah. They didn't really add much. I could even be wrong. I haven't, I don't remember in the movie. Did they add a small plot where Scar wanted to get a girlfriend? Yes. Um, that was a deleted scene from the movie that they just brought over into mm-hmm. the musical. That was the only part that I was like, other than some of the new songs, which are noticeable because they're new and right. not in, but outside of that, that was the only part that I was like, well... That's new, I think. I I don't remember that. Well, the thing is, it transitions from a scene that already existed into this new scene so, so fucking smoothly that you don't even know that it was new. I think the biggest strength of this is that it basically just feels like the movie. So a lot of people who are not familiar with Broadway and don't really want to invest any energy into learning something new, you could just go see this and it's it's just the movie transitioned perfectly onto stage. <laughs> with nothing lost and a lot of things uh-huh. gained is the thing. You gain yeah. this incredible stage design. You gain these incredible puppetries. Um, of course, but it doesn't ask the audience to learn anything new. Yes. Or <laughs> rewrite these characters in your mind. Yeah, it's just like, oh, well, I know The Lion King. And then you watch it and you're like, yes, this is different visually and different with some new songs. But I am completely, I know the whole story and I'm already invested because of that. Which uh, I think some critics maybe could say that that's not good. But honestly, audiences are going to love that. <laughs> Most yes, of the time. but let's think <laughs> about the added songs for a moment. Um, we'll sure. talk about them in their own segments. But what they're functioning to do in this musical is to make up for the fact that we don't have the visual medium of animation. So mm-hmm. what is done in the movie with Simba stepping into his father's gigantic paw and seeing his tiny paw to realize how much he has to go on the shoes that he has to fill eventually? Yes. We can't do that visually on stage. So what do we do? We turn it into this gorgeous like song. He lives in you or they live in you where he talks about the souls and they expand that moment to explain yep. the duty that he has to fill. It's replacing something that was told visually with something in a song, which is what you're supposed to do. That's yeah, what you're supposed it, to use these songs for. I also think the act structure structure is very good in this, and it might yes. just be because of what you just said you didn't like about The Lion King, but I feel like it fits really well into, into this. The fact that they kind of have different characters um, for the first and second act as the lead. <laughs> 
I agree. I think it works better here because it's a little less jarring. Well, because they literally, you take a break, and then when they come back, it's like, okay, well, now we're ready to get into this uh, with the, the older Simba. Mm-hmm. I know they, they introduced the older Simba right before the intermission, I think, but yes. that's, still, that's still a perfectly good time to do it, I think. But let's... Cons- a lot of people try to consider Act 1 and Act 2 of musicals two completely separate movies. And with this, you kind of can. And Act 2 is more of a sequel to the first movie as opposed to, like, a continuation of the story. Like, Falsettos, Into the Woods, all of them kind of do that. Mm-hmm. Here they do that. That is their execution for the way to do this. So, Act 1 of The Lion King is a complete story in and of itself. You have this kid that's father dies... His uncle sends him off to be, like, thinking he's murdered, and he hides out and lives his life away with these two awesome stoner dudes that adopt him well, as it's their just son. Like, it's like he has his own character arc where he kind of learns to just accept living out somewhere else and, and just chilling. You I know? think it's the arc is like being king is so much of a responsibility that I don't want. That sounds terrifying mm-hmm. now. Um, it's not It's not like a good character arc. No, but, but it is an arc. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. like for something that's set up to be like a Marvel Cinematic Universe style story where you have the arc going across 20 different movies, but you also have individual arcs within those movies. Let's frame it like that. And then act two is about that guy that's like, I don't want to be king and it's useless having to return and learn like, yeah, but you got to stand up and take responsibility. Two different arcs, two different stories, t- both executed perfectly here, where I think they're executed very badly in the movie because both time and the jarringness of like Matthew Broderick stepping in for Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah, I don't think they're executed terribly in the movie, but they do have less time to do it. A lot of what makes the Lion King movie good is the visuals. I agree. Really realistic the, and the music. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, let's talk a bit about the African songs um, and how they came up. I'm sure we'll break them down a little bit, but the scenes where it's just like, we're going to dance for a bit. We're going to show you grass and give you some like theatrical splendor for a bit, as opposed to like, let's focus on the plot because you do need to set up your world in this way. And yeah, Circle Mm -hmm. of Life does it great, but there's literally an entire song about grass existing here. And they just dance and show you the African tribal dances of grass. And Act 2's opener is just this incredible lioness dance, one by one. Yeah. No, they have... uh, I think it's a good way to add a bit of time and do some more visual elements with dancing to add these numbers. Um, But they don't don't progress the story at all, but that's totally fine because every other song does, so... Yes. And because you know the story so well, because everyone's seen The Lion King, Mm -hmm. you're kind of like, ooh, I'm into this. I like this. Um, Yeah. I, I know we don't like talking representation too much here because we are a bunch of honkies and like just being like that's racist good (laughs) i mean we are what we are sorry to say that um but let's talk about the optics of this show really quick and how much it means to a lot of folks in like especially black people that watch this show um they see themselves being framed as royalty and being served like all the servant characters are all white people and all there is not a single black person or a black body being used as a servant or a background player. They are all the portraying, like, the main people. And the folks like Zazu, the butler, and, like, all uh, Timon and Pumbaa, the, like, kind of renegades. There's no negative black and African stereotypes in this. And just that choice, especially when you have, like, Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Matthew Broderick in the movie, it it is a moving thing to see. And it is something you see very, very rarely. Yeah, I mean, I I have no issues with it, obviously. I think that it, it's good, and uh, it's definitely a good thing they did it here, especially with all of the, like, African culture that they try to implement. You know, to, to do that and then have a show that's entirely white would be uh, not good optically, obviously. No. Um, <laughs> do you feel that the Elton John pop songs mesh badly with the, like, Labo-M African dancing numbers? No. And I think the reason that I don't is just because that's part of what The Lion King is, and I don't think that you can separate it, so I kind of feel like it has to be there. (laughs) I agree and disagree, but the thing is, they add so many songs that are easily my favorite Lion King song ever written into this musical that I'm like, oh, another Elton John one, ugh. 
I don't know. The Elton John ones are not bad, though. They're not I mean, bad. But, like, things like He Lives in You and Endless Night and Shadowland and all that stuff really just makes Can You Feel the Love Tonight be like, oh, pop song, gross. Yeah, but come on. You gotta sell this thing. Everyone's there for Can I You Feel the ya. Love Tonight. I get you. I feel like come I've been on, talking Jess. your ear off. What do you have to say, Andrew? What do I have to say? I... <clears throat> I don't know. I just, I thought it was fine. Honestly, my biggest problem, if you can even call it one, with the whole thing is that I felt like I didn't gain anything from this. I I feel like I just watched the movie again. (laughs) And I guess that is really good, because that's what they were going for, but I've also seen this movie so many times. I kind of wish they did more things different. <laughs> um, I think that's a lot to do with the fact that you watched a bootleg and just the way we have to do this show at the moment. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure live it would be phenomenal. Because uh, once you have, like, the animals, like, coming down and shoving things in your faces, going down the aisles and interacting with you during Circle of oh, Life. Oh, yeah. I, I know Brent that, says that, that just watching that Tony's performance makes him cry. Yeah, I think... I think seeing it live, obviously, would be way better. But having watched a bootleg of it just on a screen, it's like, you know, I, I, I appreciate the different visuals, but it's not animated. It's not animation, you know, and I didn't feel like I gained that much else. Though, the stampede thing was so creative how they did that. That was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and like, like the dancing way that they brought it. This is like the one time where dancing is super effective in every time they implement it. I, I was wondering how they were going to do the stampede and I was mostly just expecting like a crappy projection like Prince of Egypt style. <laughs> Not at all, though. Holy crap, they do it so well. Like, the the spinning, like, background, like, I don't know. And then they come up out of the, and there's people with the costumes uh, in front of, oh, man, it's so good. That's that's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of moments like that. Um, The fact that they just don't go literal with it. They go theatrical. And this is, maybe you'll disagree with me. This is the closest thing to a live animated movie they, there, there could ever be. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you can't animate live. <laughs> I'm just saying this is the closest way to, like, the stylization of animation brought to a stage. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it could ever really be done better just because I don't really know who else is going to ever have the budget to do this. Like, it's obvious how much money is dumped into this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, most Broadway shows, well, not most Broadway shows, but a lot of Broadway shows that we watch are like, you know, they've got five cubes on the stage and then like five people in costumes or they got like a couple chairs and it's like, okay, this is like everyone is in these elaborate outfits. There's like 40 people in different outfits in every single scene. There's a whole backdrop for every scene that's like completely moving or animated in some way. It's like, how much money did they spend to make this thing? Fun fact, uh, it's not a different bra- background. They just change the lighting and add a different puppet element every time. Well, there you go. But it's, it's, incredible. it's incredible, though. Uh, but it just, it seems like they have put so much budget into this, which, you know, I mean, it's props to Disney's for having so much money, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, they weren't quite the phenomenon they are now. But let's talk about their marketing and what they did. So the, have I ever told you the history of Times Square and Disney and how... Um, the reason no. why Times Square is what it is, which is like this marketing a corner where everyone goes, is because of Disney. I don't doubt it. I mean, Disney has created a lot of stuff uh, marketing-wise. So what had happened was, um, so back in the olden days, let's say the late 80s, early 90s, downtown like New York, like Times Square, was basically where you buy your porn, and there also happened to be Broadway theaters there. Like, right next door to every Broadway theater, there was a porn shop, and there was, like, you were going to get mugged if you stayed there way too late. If you were there past midnight to get dinner, you're going to get mugged, no matter what. Just remember what Disney (laughs) took from you. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, Michael Eisner comes down, and he's like, you know, we want to start putting our Disney movies on stage, Mayor of New York, um, but I don't think any parents would want to take their kids here. Um, I wouldn't, I'll tell you that. And they were like, all right, what do you say we do? And Disney's like, um, we're going to buy three Broadway theaters. <laughs> um, the New Amsterdam, I think, was the first one they bought, which is where this premiered. 
they it was this shitty rundown disgusting theater that they just bought and then over a course of a few years renovated and made pretty that's where hercules had its premiere because they were prepping for the next broadway show and they had it ready and Lion king wasn't quite ready to fill it so hercules premiered there um beauty hmm. and the beast i believe also premiered was the first broadway show but didn't premiere there um new so lion king filled that spot and is still there to this day and from that like they've cleaned up Times square sold it off to corporations and that's why it looks the way it does today which is like a mass of screens and ugly mess all because of this I'll show be honest yeah Times square is not really a nice place to be if in my opinion but it's a different kind of trashy now it's not a you'll get mug trashy it's more of a oh god the elmo guy's coming up to me and i have to pay him money now yeah or there's like 800 billion people in in one block and i'm trying to drive <laughs> <laughs> yeah, driving in Times Square is a fucking shit show. Don't do it. Uh, I, worst thing I've ever done. Uh, literally, I'm surprised I didn't like pop a blood vessel or something trying to do it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a mess. But you know what? I think we've heard enough of what we had to say about it. It's time to compare our opinions to those of the New York theater critics when this originally came out. It's time for previews. It's time for previews. It's time for previews. It's time Here we for go. more Ben Brantley. Oh, no. I'm not sure he likes this. I can't this. take it anymore. Ben Shapiro Brantley. Okay. All right. So New York Times Ben Brantley said of the 1997 production, Suddenly, you're four years old again, and you've been taken to the circus for the first time. You can only marvel at the exotic procession of animals before you. The giraffes and the elephants and the hippopotamuses and all those birds in balletic flight. Moreover, these are not the weary-looking beasts in plumes and spangles that usually plod their way through the urban circuses, but what might be described as their platonic equivalents. Creatures of air and light and even a touch of divinity. Such is the transporting magic wrought by the opening 10 minutes of The Lion King, the director Julie Tamer's staged version of the Midas Touch cartoon movie that has generated millions for Walt Disney's company. And the ways in which Miss Tamer translate the film's opening musical number, Circle of Life, were an animal kingdom of African plains gathered to pay homage to its leonine ruler and his newly born heir is filled with astonishment and promise. Still, The Lion King remains an important work in a way that Beauty and the Beast simply is not. Miss Tamor has introduced a whole new vocabulary of images to the Broadway blockbuster and you're likely, you're unlikely to forget such sights as the face of Simba's dead father forming itself into an astral mask among the stars. There will inevitably be longures uh, for both adults and children who attend this show, but it offers a refreshing and more sophisticated alternative to the standard uh, panoply, panoply of special effects that dominate most tourist-orientated shows today. Seen purely as a visual tapestry, there is simply nothing else like it. Ben Brantley hit it right on the head for once. Uh, he's he's had accurate reviews before. It, it seems like if he likes something, he's willing to be accurate. But if he <laughs> if he even has a mild distaste, he's not willing to be good faith with it. I think Disney <laughs> paid him for it. No, because Aida came out like two, a year or two later, and he was not kind to that. Well, I have to agree with him here, though. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially compared to Beauty and the Beast, which was all you had to compare it to at the time, this is a much more artistically intriguing production. Has it lost some of the art by the fact that it's been being put on for so long simply to get more and more billions for the Disney company? That is a question that I have thought about myself. So I've seen this show twice live. Um, once when I was very young and it was like fucking astonishing to me. Like, oh my God, you can do this. This is like your vaguely theatrical way of doing like these concrete images. Like it blew my mind as a kid. I saw it more recently within the last like three years. And I was like, this is fine. It did not touch me. It did not blow me to the back of the theater. I'm like, this is all right. Well, I mean, it's it's the movie done really well. 
but I remember I mean, like it, the dancing and like the puppetry a... st- like throwing me to the back of the wall when I was a kid and then it was like oh it's puppets yeah I mean I think it's really well done I'm sure if I saw this live I'd be very very impressed and I don't think there's any way you could possibly do this better no but at the same time it's like when are you gonna stop putting this on you know like how long has it been in that one theater it's been like 20 years now right yeah over 20 years like most shows don't even go for a full year <laughs> Disney has the money. I know they have the money and they're making money, but it's like, it almost feels like it loses some of the art. You know, it's like, yeah, it's been 20 years. You're still doing the same thing. But remember you what know? Grace said in our Spring Awakening episode? Newsies was a surprisingly very popular, very well, well-received selling out show that they closed to put Aladdin in there because they didn't want more than three shows of theirs on Broadway at the same time. They won't close Lion King, though. Yes. Even though it's been on for 20 years. (laughs) I think they should force some scarcity on it, close it down, make people miss it a bit. It's actually surprising, because isn't Disney the company that literally created, like, the Disney vault where they would artificially create scarcity in their own films by not selling them for certain periods of time? Like, and yet you're going to allow this show to just be there always for 20 years straight? $8.1 billion. I, I um, think so, I, like deep down, though, they know that any show that they look to replace this with will never be as good. That's kind of the thing. There's nothing. Hunchback, <laughs> maybe, if they had put the money into it. They're not willing to do that anymore, no. though. The money's um, already been put into this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the big old elephant in the room. Um, briefly, but I don't really want to focus on this, but it's, uh, it's worth talking about. In 2019, they remade the Lion King film as a live-action-ish animated film. Oh, God. Is you he... actually said that quote from, uh, uh, what was her name, uh, Julie Taymor, where she yeah. said, like, you have to be able to see the uh, the actors, you have to be able to see, and I was just thinking about, like, if only they had thought of that when they remade The Lion King. I was gonna bring <laughs> this up, specifically, like, they missed the mark every, every step of, imagine how much more money they would have made if they had just released a filmed version of their Broadway show on, in, to movie theaters. Imagine... How big Even that just under Disney Plus, <laughs> like they did with Hamilton, but um, or or if they did a animated, more stylized version of this show with the new songs and everything, instead of like cutting the song. What is with Disney and cutting songs now? My God! Well, they cut songs so they can add new songs in. Yeah, like uh, now they have like that Spirit song is a Lion King song now, which. I'm surprised they're not trying to shoehorn that into this show. There's so much shit in there. Um, but one that's, again, that movie uh, made $1.657 billion. Mm-hmm. Like, that's another billion under their mark. They used a grand total of zero songs from this musical. Well, outside of the ones that were from the original movie, correct? Yeah, and even that, they didn't even really use all of them. Because being prepared and they was did, butchered. And they didn't perform them well when they did do them. Nope, 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 nope. Um, but He Lives in You, it, like, all these songs are like 10 out of 10 bangers, and they don't even hint at them in this movie. What is the point of making this movie? Uh, somehow it is, like, two hours long, and they didn't add anything to it. How did they do this, Andrew? I honestly, I haven't seen it, and I refuse to watch it unless I'm I have. Paid it to is do so. bad. I don't know how they um, did it so bad. I'll be real with you. Every single of one of these Disney live action things just looks like absolute shit. And I know that's not an original take by any means, but there's a reason everyone has that take. It's because they look like fucking shit. Like, I'm sorry. They just, they do. Like, uh, I, I don't understand why they're making them make something fucking new. If you're gonna do this, take something from your Broadway show that made billions and like, Give us a fucking good time here instead of fucking, what did they give us? Seth Rogen singing off key? Like, my fucking God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know why they don't bring it in from the stage version, because they'd have to pay royalties to those people, and then they wouldn't even be able to write new songs that could be nominated for Oscars and to make Beyonce sing those. 
Oh, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. They have to pay their fucking people that make their art for them. Yeah, God for fucking bid. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Julie Taymor is a filmmaker. She could have been brought onto this and make a fucking wackadoo-ass Lion King movie if if you guys paid enough money. I would have loved it would that. Have been, I, even if it was terrible, it probably would have been better than what they actually put out. I would have preferred a big swing and a miss than, no, like, a tap. You know? They went for a bunt and they missed the damn thing. Like, my <laughs> God. <laughs> On that note, um, let's go into a mid-show announcement, guys. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. Today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors over at Patreon. Andrew, what's Patreon? Patreon is where you can go if you'd like to give us a little bit of money and get some perks. We got, you know, commentaries. We got trailer reactions. There's a lot of trailers coming out. A lot of, a lot of good stuff. Uh, I, I don't know. What else What else do we have? Like, there's just a bunch of shit. You get our video. You can see our faces. Bree's dancing right now. It's incredible. Like, Bree oh, my God. It's actually. Oh, my God. She's actually dancing. She's dabbing. She's dabbing. Oh, no. It's embarrassing. You want to see this. <laughs> uh also, like, you, you get first word on a bunch of stuff. Um, right now, you will get the full Mamma Mia live stream that just happened uh, last week. You will see, like, we're recording it before we've even had that experience. We yeah. could be throwing up on camera for all we know. We're probably throwing up on camera. Honestly, it is so hot where I am that I'm likely dead right now. I'm Bree dead. and I will be outdoors <laughs> doing it, and we will be drinking, like, actual mixed drinks, not just beer, so... If I throw up on camera, just take my body and put it in the ground. Like, that's it for me. <laughs> Rest in peace, Brianna. It'll it's be too fun. Late. We're uh, two Mamma Mia movies, happened. four happened. hours. <laughs> so Brie might be dead right now. Put me in the dumpster. <laughs> when I die, just throw me in the trash. <laughs> All right, who are our patrons, Jess? Our current patrons are Melissa Goldman, Terry Needleman, John Donna, Leighton Ackles, Danielle Renix, Jess the Stampede, Ewan Cassidy, Taskier, Fire September, Monica Thoreau, Mina Maniri, Brent Black, Haley Murray, B-Way Flicks, Nathaniel Stacey Coombe, Joseph Evans Green, Carrie Ahern, Christine Malmedel, Mary Lou Choquette, John Vanaus, Heck You, I Go By Elijah Now, Russ Walker, Musical Hell, Emily Gracie, Andrew Van Barsen, uh, Tablam, Kyle Summers, Janae C, Christina Francis, Scoot and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, Liz Lim, Corey Wilmarth, Allison Stuller, Nothing is Certain Except Beth and Taxes, John Van Owls, Thesbian, Ren Cullen, Wait in the Wings, Spectacle Machine, Jacob Stroop, Rafael Martinez, Salaz, Robert Benjamin, Rachel T, Jessica T, Genevieve Hartnett, Cass, Mitchell Young, thank you for the Patreon request, Mitchell Young, um, Chai Teacup, Hayden Wilder, Katie McDonough, Genki Geist, Dacus, Timothy Keys, Jeffrey Machado, Jacques, Ten Van Essen, Jesse Taylor, R. Elliott, Chris Marcotte, Alexandria Singh, and Katie Cherberg. They give us a little extra financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese and pay for my throat surgery after reading that. Um, if you would like <laughs> to join them in supporting us, you get tons of fun perks such as Patreon-only commentaries, our episodes a day earlier, and a bunch of other shit. Um, come join us over at Patreon. All right, we're ready to talk about some singing songs, 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 songs? Yeah! <laughs> is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Circle of Life opening. My God. My God. Ooh, it's Ooh. the Circle of Life. Hey, hey, Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Oh, I well, made you look. All right, Rainbow Cardigan. <laughs> yeah. The Circle of Life is a is a banger. Everyone knows that. I don't. They they execute it perfectly. And yeah, I don't know what else to say. Faultlessly. Um, I do want to talk a bit about like the theatrical tactics, like the sun rising. Every visual element you have from that movie is somehow represented here on stage. How the fuck did they do that? Perfectly. Like uh, it is astonishing <laughs> how effortlessly they made that look. Like you got the sun, you got the voice, the voice that blows you to the fucking back of the wall. In, if you're in the room with them, and that first comes up, it's like so loud, so jarring, so incredible. Like, and then you just have these people going down the aisles that that are touching you, like laughing with you. It's 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 an experience. It is like the as sad as it is, you never quite get to that high ever again. <laughs> I kind of feel like that's the case in the movie, too, though. Yeah. <laughs> but Like, I mean, what's the last song in the movie? Can You Feel the Love Tonight versus Circle of Life? <laughs> I mean, the last song in that movie is King of Pride Rock, where he's like... Where he's, like, going up in the rain because of the drought. That is the first, like, last moment. It's like, oh, oh can't breathe. Yeah. Circle of Life is fantastic, and, I mean, everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what's really astonishing is that it's executed just as well on stage, if not better, as it is in, in the movie. Yeah, and that is possibly <laughs> one of the best animated sequences of all time. That is not, like, that is not just us being like, it's better, it's just as good. Yeah, no, like, like Circle of Life in the movie is phenomenal, and you are not disappointed when you see it on in, in the stage show, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do want to talk about a slightly disappointing song, um, just because it feels mm-hmm. like... Uh, you know, like a throwaway song in the movie and in this show. Um, and that's I Just Can't Wait to Be King, where they're like, it's whatever, you know what the song is. There's like colors and shit. Like, there is no fanfare. They just throw the kids on these little turkey things and they're like, all right, that's the song. Yeah. I'm gonna be a mighty king, so when I'm bees beware. I've never seen a king of beasts with quite so little hair. I'm gonna be the main event. Like no king was before I'm rushing up on the king down I'm working on my rock. That's far a rather uninspiring thing <laughs> Oh, I just can't wait to be king I, I kind of hate to say it too, but I don't think the kids sang it that well in the one I watched. Yeah, I mean, they're kids. I don't want to be mean, but like... <laughs> <laughs> they're kids, Come Andrew. On. They're kids, but like I'm, I'm paying to watch this. <laughs> you didn't though. You Yar-har. stole it. <laughs> the guy that filmed it did. Are <laughs> are these kids? They be performing bad. 
<laughs> My bootlegs deserve better than this. <laughs> Bootlegger Bill wants better performances. <laughs> okay, someone's got to do art uh, of Andrew's Bootlegger Bill with his like bag full of fucking like bootleg Broadway shows. <laughs> yo ho, yo ho. <laughs> I don't know. I'm doing. I, I've got nothing else. It, it, I mean, yeah. I, I think in the movie it's better because at least there's like the bright colors. It's like a music video almost. But yeah, it's, it's so theatrical. It really is. It really just doesn't hold up as well on stage because it's just kind of a weak song. I mean, um, Elton John's songs, like this is just like, like he's just like muttering. Have you ever heard his like demo of it where it's just like him at a piano and he refuses <laughs> to sing like the shitty lyrics that Tim Rice wrote. So he wrote his own like contemporary <laughs> rock version. He's like, of I'm going to be a great man. I will be a good man. <laughs> of course. Bree, play yeah. a clip of that. I'll send you a link. I also, it kind of gets me that it's like the same little, uh, like thing from the Little Mermaid, like the do 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 the it's yeah it's not as good as some of the other stuff in here yes let's talk about <laughs> um be prepared um only because it's this is like one of the most iconic scenes in the movie and this is another one where it's like they they sum it up very well it's not a badly done scene but it's like could have done more goose stepping hyenas so prepare for the chance of a lifetime be prepared for sensational news a shining new era Tiptoeing nearer. Just listen to teacher. I know it sounds sordid, but you'll be rewarded when at last I am given my dues. And injustice deliciously squared. Be prepared. Yeah, be prepared. We'll be prepared. For what? For the death of the king. Is he sick? No. Fool, we're gonna kill him. And Simba, too. I do think it's cool that they have him do like a reprise, though. Oh, I agree, a hundred percent. Later, yeah, but you know, it it is a hard act to follow from the movie, though. Yeah. Um the the movie version of this, where like the mountain is like growing and he's like they're all on it, and there's like the the goose stepping hyenas like with shadow, like I I don't know, it's 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 hard to top that. I mean, there are moments in the show that are like feats to the visual eye that aren't in the movie. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of the thing. And then some moments that are in the movie that were a visual treat just aren't, but they work. Yeah. It's almost like they could have made, like, a new version of the movie that combines the best elements of this and the movie, and they could have made that and, like, remade the movie, basically, and done that. Yeah. You know, like, oh my god, wouldn't that have been great? That would have been really cool. Like, someone should tell Disney that they should remake The Lion King. And yeah, add, good like, thing they've never done that. It's a good thing they haven't done that yet, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the stampede is an incredible sequence as well. Like, we brought that up The stampede up is, in, like, amazing. I don't even know. I was not expecting that, but holy crap, it's really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, let's talk. We're skipping all the way to Act 2 a bit, but Endless Night is Simba's I Want song. And we set up in our first half of the show that... There's two musicals happening here. Act one is its own musical, and his I Want song for the act one is I Can't Just Wait to Be Ki- I Just Can't Wait to Be King. And yeah. his I Want song for act two um, is Endless Night, which is about, like, I just want to, like, not have nightmares about my father anymore, and I just want to, like, I want life to be normal, but I have all this fucking trauma I haven't dealt with. And yeah. the, the plot is about him dealing with that fucking trauma. And that is a new song for this musical, and it follows another scene that was written especially for this musical that I think is necessary and makes Simba more of a character in the second half, 
which is where Timon and Pumbaa are like in a dangerous situation where they almost die and Simba gets fucking freaked out from his PTSD about his dad dying yep. and he can't help them. When will the Yeah, uh, honestly, it's a good, it's like an action sequence too. Like they have like, uh, uh, Timon falls down a waterfall, uh, right? Yeah. Am I thinking the right thing? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I think it's a uh, nice addition and I think this is a necessary song because if you think of the movie, really there's only one song that would have been here and that's Can You Feel the Love Tonight? And imagine if yeah. that was the only new song <laughs> in, in act two, uh, it's like, oof. So, yeah, I'm glad they added this in. Yeah, it's super important, and I'm surprised they didn't add it in for the remake that doesn't exist, because this is a very effective way to give Simba well, I mean, some needs in the second half. They definitely could add it to the remake that they're going to make, since they didn't make one. <laughs> you know. You're right, you're right, you're right. Um, yeah. As well, Nala's song, Shadowland, I think is also incredible. Like, a great song, using so the best thematic piece that Hans Zimmer wrote in the movie, which is da 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 and just added lyrics yep. to it, and, like, fucking perfect. Like, all about the reason why she's leaving, because she got sexually assaulted by the king. Shadowland The shadowed land This was a home The river's dry really cool if like and hear me out on this one i'm hearing you. they got they got a singer to play nala in you know the remake that they would they may hypothetically make yeah and then they gave her this song it would have been great like imagine like someone like beyonce stepping in oh, and like, like singing the song and like and like nala would have a song in the in the movie yeah right? it'd be really dumb if you remade it and then you just yeah have this singer sing an unrelated song and play it as like a, just a song over so a montage you and, know and it's not even it's not even like the character singing it that would be ridiculous yeah no no <laughs> that no would that'd so... be really dumb <laughs> why would you do that in fact yeah, that, I, I, I mean i don't even know why we're talking about this because obviously no one would ever do something like that that would be terrible all right one more song we gotta talk about <laughs> and that is he lives in you which is the best song the the 11 o'clock number the scene where Mufasa comes down and is like hey you fucked up kid and like all these like ghostly figures come out it starts with Rafiki just being like explaining like no you mm -hmm. idiot you you weren't listening in the first act when they said these live in you literally they that you are representing them you fucking idiot and you know what would be dummy. Um, <laughs> this song builds so perfectly you get 
how he feels at the end. Um, it's much better than the way it's done in the movie, where it's just like, ah, oh, forget the past and whatever, and, and which is not a great lesson if you think about it. The ethics of Lion King have never been, uh, never been phenomenal. <laughs> um, but, you know what would be really dumb? Um, you sh if they did make a remake of The Lion King, which of course they haven't, um... They have not done that. Um, they really should include this scene in there in full, um, because it really is this great emotional catharsis, it's a great, like, dance piece, and so much chance for visuals. It would be really fucking stupid if you had it in the end credits in a different language. Um, that would be, like, the worst decision you could probably make for, like, an adaptation of The Lion King to film, which of course doesn't exist yet. I mean, I could think of worse things they could do. I mean, like, what if they made them all look like realistic cats? <laughs> <laughs> That's a horrible idea. Oh, my God. Imagine if they did that. Oh, man, that would be, like, terrible. And then, like, they hire Seth Rogen. Oh, my God. Like, or the guy that yells at people in the street as, like... <laughs> Wouldn't that be such a mess? What a disaster! You know what would be, like, even the worst choice? Um, because we set up Mufasa as this great virile king who struck down yep. the, like, in his prime. Like, yeah, young, yeah. young man, really feel, like, his intensity. Like, he was a great dad and a young fellow. Oh, yeah. It would be mm -hmm. really bad if you just brought James Earl Jones back, who sounds like he's on his deathbed. <laughs> Like, that would be the worst choice you could possibly that make would, for a remake. I mean, that would be a terrible choice. I mean, if course. you did that, you're just sitting the entire th time thinking, like, he's got a week left at best. You might as well just push him off the cliff. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't just fall on his own. Till <laughs> <laughs> we find our place. <laughs> He comes, Mufasa comes out in a cane with a limp. <laughs> and then Scar's like, long live the king, and he just knocks him down and he dies. <laughs> no, no, no. Scar goes to try to push him down and then realizes he already fell. <laughs> He's like, oh, I had this whole thing prepared and, ugh. <laughs> ah, shit. I was gonna say, long live the king and push him off. It was gonna be so dramatic. I, you have to believe me on this. But you know what? <laughs> Scar, Scar is a super important part. We talked about how much being prepared was important to this. Um, imagine if they had just cut it out, like to like nothing. Imagine if they had just cut that scene to like barely. Well, I anything. imagine they they wouldn't be able to cut it out because I mean, if they tried to cut it out, there would probably be such a fan backlash that they'd have to add it back in in some capacity. Yeah, like the last <laughs> minute, you know, and just kind of like make the actor like basically rap it because he's not a singer. He didn't sign up to sing. Yeah. So what we is your overall thoughts? We live in the worst thoughts? possible timeline. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your overall thoughts on The Lion King and your cheese rating? Um, yeah, the movie's good. The stage show's really good. I like the stuff they added and the stuff that was already there. They, you know, did really well. Uh, I, I don't know. This show has been on for like 20 fucking years and has made billions of dollars. What the fuck else am I going to say about it? I mean, come on. It's, it's fine. It's good. <laughs> uh... As a, a cheese rating, like, jeez, uh, um, lions don't eat cheese. <laughs> have, can, do we check that? Have you read the read the book? <laughs> have I have I read the book? Oh boy, um, what's a cheese that I liked as a kid that I still like now? That's that's kind of a good one. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with mozzarella because that's like a a tried and true classic cheese. Hell yeah. All right, Brie, what'd you think of our discussion? You guys lost me on that last little part. Um, what? 
I have no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, we were hypothetically talking about if they had remade The Lion King, which they didn't, of course. So. Very chaotic. You lost me. Um, they never <laughs> remade The Lion King. What are you talking about? Nope, never. Um, I'm going to give this Red Lion Mustard and Ale Cheddar Cheese. Um, that's the cheese I'm going to give it. Um, but I do want to see the live performance of it if I ever get the opportunity, thanks to this discussion. It's a good show. 10 out of 10. That's great cheese. Oh, really? You knocked it out, Bree. Uh, much better than Andrew's. Okay, you don't um, have to lie to me. What? I said you don't have to lie to me. That's fine. I don't like that attitude. <laughs> okay, get to your cheese rating. I want to oh, make what? a quesadilla. <laughs> um, yeah, Lion King's good. It's a great show. Best version of the Lion King because the Lion King isn't that great to begin with. Um, my cheese rating is this thing called the Mufasa Burger. The Mufasa Cheeseburger. And my God, heart attack on a bun, right? <laughs> Oh, boy. Are you trying to say that the Lion King will kill you? Yep. Look at all that cheese. <laughs> Look at that. We, we got so much fucking cheese. Four slices of Swiss cheese. My God. All right. That's my cheese rating. That's, that's a, a yikes for me, dog. <laughs> I thought it was a good cheese rating. All right. Well, I'm about to you sweat to, to death. To me. So I think we, um, we should wrap this up. <laughs> you know who's definitely not going to sweat to death, Andrew? Uh, hopefully me, because I'm going to turn this fan on in about two minutes. Our wonderful <laughs> patrons, thank you guys for listening. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Musicals with Cheese. We're on Twitter at Cheesy Musicals. We're on Patreon at Musicals with Cheese. Instagram Musicals with Cheese. YouTube page Musicals with Cheese. Check out our new wonderful YouTube videos made by Liz Eston. Thank you for doing that. Email us at musicaltheaterliz at gmail.com. Our title card is created by the amazing Jolie Casco. Go follow her on Instagram at <laughs> Jolie Casco. Keeper of the Cheese is Juliet Antonio. Thank you, Juliet, for keeping up with that, because God knows I wasn't going. This show is produced by Brianna Jones. She's all right. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform and knocking his off yet um all right Yay. you guys is there anything else you want to say face. i'm gonna me. die I'm looking at you. look at me looking now look at you. you now look at me i'm better no, i'm just kidding i'm better than all right <laughs> no i'm just kidding you are better than all right i the thing is oh the one week i don't fucking kiss your ass you get real real offended no no i'm not offended at all Makes me excited for Mamma Mia. Hell yeah. It's going to be a good... Yeah, go go on Patreon. You can see our full four-hour two-movie event where we get fucking toasted so hard. Shwasted. All right. You guys, we love you so much. We'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese. <laughs>